This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome into the flagship podcast, everybody. I am Chip Brown. And joined by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chip. How about you? I mean, it is game week. I can't believe we finally made it here. Game right? Oh my week. gosh. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I know. We've, oh, we've been we've been meditating and manifesting this college football season into existence. And knock on wood, it is game week. And we are headed for Texas and UTEP Saturday night, 7 o'clock, Longhorn Network. Here we go. I mean, Tom Herman has spoken. Players have spoken. We're speaking right here on the flagship podcast about what they've spoken about. And hopefully everybody's uh, doing, doing great, staying safe, keeping the faith, because football is here. We never wavered. We never doubted. You didn't hear us spewing any fear and saying, what are they doing playing football? We were saying, we're going to play some football. We're, what are they doing not playing football? Come on. <laughs> right. And what are they doing not playing football now? Now, I mean, I got every, everybody in the Big Ten is losing their minds. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they, they jumped the gun. They wanted to be first without being right. Yep. And that's never good, Taylor. No, we know that in our industry. The best right. thing that you can do is be Just right. Be right. Don't be first. Be right. It's great be if patient. you're first and right, but. Right. Be patient. Mm-hmm. Be smart. Be thoughtful. Yep. Listen. Make good decisions. Yes. Kind of like what I tell my kids every day. But, Taylor, this is. Uh, that, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. You got plenty of time. So. Um, all right, so we got, uh, we got all kinds of things to talk about. We'll give you a little rundown of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about the depth chart coming out. We're going to be talking about what Tom Herman's feeling good about, what he's not feeling good about. We got uh, players to watch from the mouths of their own teammates. So you know it's worth listening to on that. It's not what we're saying. It's what the players are saying. It's always about the players. The players always know. They tell you the truth. And then, of course, everybody's favorite, love it or leave it. So, Taylor, you ready? Yeah, I am ready. And, you know, Chip, with that, I think we definitely have to start with the depth chart conversation here. Texas released the first depth chart of the season going into the UTEP game. And for a lot of people, there may have been some surprises on the depth chart. However, if you're a Horns 24-7 member, there's been no surprises because Chip has been ahead of the game and reporting the players that had been, you know, stepping out and and earning those starting positions basically since the, you know, after the first week and a half to two weeks of fall camp. And Chip, like, I got to hand it to you. You were spot on. I think you deserve a ton of credit for that because everything that you had been preparing our Horns 24-7 readers for has actually come to fruition. A lot of that also being, um, you know, the offensive line too deep 
you were uh, talking about a lot of like Jake Majors making it into the 2D rotation. A lot of people didn't expect that true freshman offensive lineman. The cornerback position, you've been ahead of the game. Our guy Josh Thompson, who I know I've been, you know, basically the the head of the Josh Thompson uh, fan bandwagon here because right. I always thought of his talent being, you know, elite. He just hasn't had the opportunity to show it. Um, and then Deshaun Jameson being the two starting corners, which may have surprised some people with Jalen Green falling behind the two. But, you know, what were your thoughts when you saw the depth chart at first? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been uh, an interesting camp for sure. I mean, the, you mentioned Jake Majors and Andre Carrick, the two freshmen offensive linemen who are in the two deep. Andre Carrick is is backing up Sam Cosme at left tackle. And I don't think a lot of people we're expecting that unless they were reading the insider last week when, when I, I wrote about that, but um, you know, Brendan Eagles, we said Brendan Eagles has been not his normal self in camp and can he snap out of it? Because uh, Tariq black, the Michigan grad transfer was ahead of him. And, and I reported two weeks ago that the likely starting lineup at receiver would be Tariq black and Jake Smith and Joshua Moore. And sure enough, that's how it came out. And interest to me, the only surprise was Keontae Ingram at first team running back because Rashawn Johnson had the better fall camp. So I don't know what the coaches are doing there, whether it's trying to dangle a carrot out there for Keontae Ingram to go get against UTEP or, or what. But um, that, that to me was the only surprise and it probably surprised nobody else because Keontae Ingram has 15 starts in his career. Right. And he should be the starter. But Rashawn Johnson had the better camp. And Bijan Robinson is going to play a lot in this UTEP game Saturday, too. And when we start talking about players to watch, his name will, will come back up. So I, I think the depth chart is about what we expected. We know the injuries to Isaiah Hookfin. The, the shoulder injury there, the shoulder, shoulder injury to Delhi a day away. He's now back. He's been cleared to practice this week, but he's second on the depth chart behind Juwan Mitchell because of the injury. Same with Isaiah Hookfin. And then Calvante Dixon, Keontae Ingram's younger brother, has been out with an ankle, and he will not be back for the, for the UTEP game. He's doubtful along with Hookfin. But he was coming on and is a guy to watch at that Z receiver position along with Joshua Moore. So I think when you look at it, uh, obviously I think you have to look at the defensive line too, because we know about Joseph Osai, Taquan Graham, Keandre Coburn and Moro Ajomo, but the guys right behind them are going to play a ton. Mm -hmm. Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, Tavandre Sweat, especially, the, the, he had a great camp. He's, he's turning into an NFL player. And, and, so, and that's a big part of the reason that this week I said Texas would win the Big 12 and go to the college football playoff because of that defensive line. I think that defensive line is going to be really disruptive. And, and we'll see. It's, it's one thing to look really good against yourselves and all that, but Right. Let's see them start to punish a weaker opponent this week. I think the point spread is 43 points, Taylor. 43 points. Yeah, according to William Hill, that's what it was to open the week. It is that as of Tuesday. 
Yeah, and sometimes openers are sloppy. I mean, yeah. the first week, I mean, look at SMU and Texas State last week. Shane Bouchelle, former Longhorns quarterback, threw two interceptions. Good heavens, he had seven interceptions all year last year. So sometimes the opener can be a bit sloppy. And so who knows? But you want to start seeing the ingredients bubbling to the surface that tell you, that tells you okay, this is, this is Tom Herman's golden opportunity here. He's got a veteran team, 17 starters back. Oklahoma's got issues. You know, mm-hmm. two of their best players opted out. They've had, um, you know, they got Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins are going to face suspension. Should be for the f- whole first half of the season, but it'll probably be like four games. And then, you know, you look at the fact that they have a really, really difficult Big 12 schedule mm-hmm. where they play the four best defenses to start the season, start the conference season, and they don't play a single game at home in October. I was just going to say that. Yeah, not one game at home in October. That's insane. And I know that the home field advantage is going to be negligible this year with the limited capacity, but still you like the comfort mm-hmm. of being in your own home, your your own stadium. There's, I mean, that trip to Ames for Oklahoma, I said it, that's my Big 12 upset of the year, and that's right before they play Texas. Right. Normally, they don't play a perilous game like that right before Texas. Usually the conference gives them either a bye week or gives them a Kansas or a, or a Kansas, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to kind of let them well, be warm careful. up a little bit. Texas has struggled with Kansas. Or a home game. Times, so. Let's put it that way. A home game. Yeah, you're right. Well, well, well. Oh, Kansas is a monster. What are we talking about? <laughs> but a home game, at least, right, before they go to Dallas. Right. And Texas gets a home game. They're playing TCU. Mm-hmm. And – OU's got to go to Ames, which yeah. is a title contender this year. Yeah. No, Just I mean, it, it's crazy. Like, the if you look at the schedule, how and we've talked about this before on the flagship podcast, but, I mean, look at how the SEC took care of the top dogs in the conference with their revised schedule. And then Oklahoma gets this, and you're like, huh? Like, is this serious? The team that's won the last five straight Big 12 titles, they're, you know – having a gauntlet to start. I mean, I know they're playing Missouri State to start the season, but like in conference play, the scheduling that the Big 12 makes, I mean, come on. Like it's it's shocking. Lincoln Riley got absolutely no help at all from the scheduling, you know, masters or whatever in the Big 12 conference. And it's going to be, I think we're going to see very early how well the Sooners are truly put together this season. You know, there's a lot, as you mentioned, there's a ton of, uh, production that needs to be uh, replaced. There's a lot of questions. They're starting a first-time redshirt freshman quarterback, and I know that Spencer Rattler, I looked at the Heisman odds, actually, and as of August 31st, Spencer Rattler was still the second-best Heisman odds, and I went back and looked, and he has played 14 snaps in college football, 14. He has attempted 11 passes and has ran the ball three times ever. And he's number two in the Heisman race currently behind Trevor Lawrence. So to me, that seems so premature. I think that the sky is the limit for Spencer Rattler. I truly do believe he will develop into a star. But to say that he is the going into the season, the second best college football player in the sport, 
I don't care without Pac-12, Big 12, or Big 10, you know, any of the other conferences. He's not. He's not. And so I think we're going to see a lot from the Sooners early on. Yeah. And I, I love Lincoln Riley. I mean, I think the guy's great. His parents went to Texas, for crying out loud. Uh, the mule shoe magician. And, and he's the reason. Oh, yeah. That Spencer Rattler's got those odds. And, and deservedly so. Three different quarterbacks, three Heisman ceremonies, two two Heisman winners, two number one overall picks. But can that be sustained? And I don't like doubting Lincoln Riley because the guys made me look like a fool the last couple of years. I thought, oh, Kyler Murray can't do it. Whoops, he was better than Baker Mayfield. Jalen Hurts can't do it. Whoops, he completed more passes than he's ever completed and had a great game plan every week with CeeDee Lamb. And so, but look, if there's a window it's this year Mm -hmm. because Oklahoma does have some holes to fill. They do have some schedule hurdles. They do have a first time starter quarterback. Texas has so far knock wood for Texas fans and Longhorn nation has avoided any big COVID-19 blunders. And they seem to have a team, at least talking to the players today, we're recording on Tuesday these players seem bought in. They seem determined. They know this. there's an opportunity in 2020 to win a championship. And, and who knows if they can sustain the diligence, as Tom Herman said. And that'll probably lead us into what Tom Herman feels good about and what he is most concerned about, Taylor. Mm-hmm. He said the things he feels best about are Sam Ellinger the veterans returning on his offensive line and his defensive front. And of course the veterans returning on the offensive line, Sam Cosme, Jr. Angelau and Derek Kerstetter. And, and he did have some praise for Denzel Okafor at right guard and, and said, even though Christian Jones is quote wet behind the ears, he's done everything they wanted him to do in camp. Although I continue to hear, keep an eye on Jake majors because if he can keep coming on at center, it might, they might take him for a test drive at center and move Kerstetter back out to right tackle. But the things he's most concerned about Tom Herman, he said he's concerned about replacing the production at receiver that he lost last year with Devin Duvernay and Colin Johnson. Understandable. Devin Duvernay had 106 catches for 1300 plus yards and was a monster mm-hmm. and, you know, was top five in the nation in, in receptions. And Colin Johnson has made a ton of plays, ton of big third down plays, ton of big drive extending plays on game winning drives. Uh, he's also concerned about um, the depth at linebacker because obviously he's just now getting Delhi a day away back from the shoulder injury. And he's got Delhi and Juwan Mitchell at middle linebacker. He's got DeMarvin Overshawn and then a cast of thousands at weak side linebacker, none of whom have proven anything. And, and then he said, heck, I'm just worried about getting through the dang season. Right. With, with the diligence that his 120, 18 to 22-year-olds are going to have to show in being, quote, antisocial. Right. Taylor, mm-hmm. they got to avoid the COVID queens out there. Yeah. You no, know, they got to they gotta stay at home and play Uno 
They don't get to go to the clubs and look for the co-eds or I don't know, or just get a girlfriend, put her in your bubble. <laughs> have, I don't know what to, I'm just rambling. I'll be quiet now. What do you think? I mean, it didn't surprise me about either his, you know, what he feels good about or his concerns. We've talked um, in depth about the issue at linebacker and it does continue to be, it kind of still goes back to what we talked about last week, Chip, when we were talking about Texas adding Brendan Schooler, the uh, former Arizona, well, Oregon, then Arizona um, grad transfer receiver and how his brother Colin Schooler is going to Texas Tech to play for the Red Raiders. You know, I still, I mean, before we started, before we started recording, we were talking about Delia Dayaway. And I had mentioned to you, I remember when he was coming in as a true freshman, he was an early enrollee in spring practice. They were, Todd Orlando was looking for him to be a starting option for Texas linebackers. And he did not make it through the season because of injury. Then you look at the depth at the weak side line, but the outside linebacker with DeMarvian Overshawn, as I've said, I've said this till I'm blue in the face. DeMarvian Overshawn has never finished a college football season without an injury dating back to his freshman year of high school. So that's a huge concern. I mean, these are, I mean, it, it's, in, you know, hopefully for Texas, these guys can get away from the injury bug constantly, you know, biting them. But if we are looking at what the facts are, what history has shown, it's not going to happen. So what's going to happen to Texas if let's say Delia Dayway and Juwan Mitchell goes down. I mean, you know, Court Jacquez is listed, I believe, what, as he's Court. ahead. Yeah, he's ahead. Home Depot, of, home gym. He's ahead of Delia Dayaway on the two deep. And so that's a huge, I mean, not saying, I'm not trying to diminish anything that Court Jacquez like brings to the table, but this is a form of walk-on. You know, you don't add walk-ons so that they can surpass the players that were four and five star recruits. You just don't, you don't do that. You, you know, I mean, that's not what you, you sometimes get those diamonds in the rough and Texas has been very successful with their walk-on program. And this is a, you know, a testament, I think to Bob Shipley, since he is in charge of the walk-on program at Texas to see that, you know, court Jack was, he started the Alamo bowl, but again, that's not yeah, five tackles in the first half. Yeah. It's still not necessarily the overall, like, you know, positive report on the linebacker position when that actually has to happen. So that well, is, and don't forget about Jet Bush. Oh yeah, another He's the other walk on in the two deep. Who Joseph Osai said today, this dude is like white lightning. Yeah, yeah, twitchy, quick, explosive. He's like, I don't know where this guy came from. Right. So yeah, Texas has a couple of these. Former walk-ons. Well, Bush is still a walk-on. Right, yeah. I'll probably change uh, soon. Straight but. Jesuit in Houston. But that, yeah. it Linebacker, I'm not as worried. I don't know why. I'm not as worried about the linebacker position. I mean, obviously, they can't afford to lose a front-line guy. Mm-hmm. They can't afford to lose a, a Juwan Mitchell or a DeMarvin Overshawn to injury. Otherwise, they're scrambling. But they're... In my mind, they're good enough on the defensive line and in the secondary. Taylor, hold on a minute. Okay. And you can move B.J. Foster into that role. They got guys. They can patch. They can band-aid until guys get healthy. They right, got that last, 
last year though too, did they not? And one yeah, of but the biggest Orlando's issues- scheme was so bad, and I hate to. It's, if you talk to high school, my, my fa- I'm going to cut you off here because my father-in-law is a high or has been a longtime high school football coach in the state of Texas. He coached guys like Aaron Williams. He coached guys like Leonard Davis. He put a ton of guys in the NFL. And he will tell you that Todd Orlando's scheme was the perfect scheme for the situation that Texas dealt with. And this is a defensive-minded guy. He was a defensive coordinator. He was a head coach, an AD, defensive coordinator, and then, you know, when he was retiring, finishing as a linebacker's coach. So I think there's a lot of people that would actually disagree with that. Okay, well, here's my take on that. Okay. It is a great scheme. Baylor used it to perfection last year and had the best defense in the Big 12. The problem is, Todd Orlando actually had good, good enough pass rushers and good enough guys on the front line, Malcolm Roach, mm-hmm. that he could have turned them loose and let them play. Like Charles Amenahu, my God, this guy's starting for the Houston Texans, and he couldn't, he had to beg to pass rush Charlie Brewer in the Baylor game two years ago and save the game. And it just, the whole thing's confounding. But yeah, but last do, year he had no linebackers, though. That was why Joseph Osai was dropping back in coverage. No coach in their right mind wants Joseph Osai uh, dropping back in coverage. Okay, I can't talk about just, last year anymore. <laughs> I my know. head is hurting. But so you can't, I mean, it's hard Brings to say that you're to my that eyes. Death, that linebacker isn't an, as big of a concern. Okay, fine. Watched it play out last let's, year. Let's see how this plays out. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I do think that the defensive line is going to be so disruptive. I think they're going to be able to get there with four. And that's yeah. that's the key. If they can get there with four, then they don't get exposed and they're not blitzing and risking and gambling and leaving guys open. Totally and, agree. Yes. And we'll see if, if, uh, if Chris Ash is, is the man, you know, I still, I, yeah, Go ahead. I, mean, I think he's, I think he's a talented coordinator. Yeah. I obviously wasn't a successful head coach at Rutgers. Rutgers is a hard place, right? but he was a very successful defensive coordinator. The players, Love him. They're talking about his rugby tackling and everything that he's demanded of them this camp. And Chris Brown was like, what is this rugby tackling? What the hell? And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, man, watch the film. And then they they're like they didn't they had a great tackling camp from what I'm told. So let's see if that all carries over to the to the games. And if it does. Great hire, Tom Herman your old buddy, Chris Ash, who you were with at Iowa state and Ohio state. So yeah. that, uh, and that any Tom Herman downplayed the meshing of the seven new assistants and the two new coordinators. He feels like that's all going to be no problem on Saturday. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't, I mean, if the Texas defense is not substantially better than last year, then that shows that the hires are a huge failure there's no reason for this defense to be even on the same par as last year's because they have so much returning talent, returning experience talent where Texas last year, I mean, they were replacing eight starters. Everyone talked about, Oh, you know, Todd Orlando deserved to be fired, but he had to replace eight starters. And then his entire secondary was just absolutely diminished because of injury. And it doesn't matter if you're the best defensive coordinator in the country or the worst, you're not going to be very successful when that type of situation plays out. Um, I think that Texas defense should be substantially better this season. I'm still not going, Chip, let's look back at the last three defensive coordinators that have had that position at Texas. Let's talk about it. Manny Diaz comes in in 2011, takes over a veteran unit, has a top 25 defense end of the season. 
next season has to rely on inexperienced talent um, that's still talented, but just inexperienced. Year three, he's fired mid-year. Then Vance Bedford comes in, takes over a veteran defense that was a good defense his first year. Second year has to rely on inexperienced players. Third year gets fired mid-season. Let's go to Todd Orlando. Year one, 2017, Texas defense was good. Had the defense alignment of the year, defensive player of the year on the team. Uh, year two, they had to rely on inexperienced talent. He gets fired mid-season year three. So I'm not judging Tex- Chris Ash or the Texas defense until year three. Because <laughs> that's all I've seen in covering Love Texas. It. Legit. So, yeah. Totally legit. Hey, <laughs> Taylor Estes, this is why you listen to the flagship <laughs> podcast for stats like that, kids. Are you are you listening? There's your tailgate takeaway for your tailgate that you can't have on the UT campus this yeah. Saturday, okay? <laughs> yes, exactly. You're going to have to call your friends and tell them about that one. <laughs> Not going to be able to just roll up to Bevo Boulevard and start sloshing your Coors Light around because UT can't sponsor any tailgating going on this weekend. But hey, you could still... <laughs> go to the game and we can't wait to hear about all that. So yes, um, good stuff, Taylor. Good stuff right there. You get the, you get the stat of the day, stat of the day right there. (laughs) All right. And then um, players to watch. I thought this was interesting, Taylor. Today, when we were talking to the players, Chris Brown, that's my guy. I've been talking about my man, Chris Brown, since he got here. Everyone's like, what happened to Chris Brown, Chip? What happened to Chris Brown? Let me tell you what happened to Chris Brown. He's in the starting lineup. The NFL loves him. Chris Ash loves him. The guy's a thumper. Guy makes plays. He flies around. He's a great leader, and he's going to knock some people's heads off this year. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing my man, Chris Brown. But Chris Brown said that when he was asked who's the toughest receiver to cover, uh, for Texas, he said Jake Smith. He said the guy's wily and guily and gets in and out, and he's fast. He's Jordan Shipley. Mm-hmm. And so Jake Smith, earning the respect of his teammates, I always go by what the players say. Yes, And I then agree. he said the player to watch on defense who's young is Chris Adamora. Adamora, and by the way, I've heard nothing but great things about Adamora. Uh, he's playing that spur position and he's wearing number one this year. Last year he was wearing 11. He's wearing number one this year. And don't forget DeMarvin Overshawn changed his number to zero. Yes. So that's right. don't look for 31 when you're looking for DeMarvin Overshawn. He's going to be number zero on defense and Tariq Black is going to be number zero on offense. This is the first year the NCAA is allowed zero into the rotation. So Texas is going to have two zeros out there. <laughs> let's hope they perform better than zero. Let's hope. Let's hope. Remember Avery Bradley wore zero at Texas and that was okay. Cause yeah. that dude could ball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you guys need to rock that zero. Right. And I see, I think we did see a little bit of flashes from Chris Adamora when he had his opportunity to play last season um, as a true freshman And I think that's always what you look for when true freshmen that aren't supposed to start and aren't supposed to get substantial playing time actually take the field. When you see the flashes from them, that's a positive thing. You know, I think you saw that from Jalen Green when I know he's not starting, so maybe that's a bad example. But, you know, you did see that from Jalen Green his first season. Like when he did get on the field, you saw the flashes and he started all last year. Um, 
Deshaun Jameson last year. I know he was a sophomore. However, his freshman year, he played wide receiver. So last year was his first year playing cornerback. There were times where you were just scratching your head like, what are you doing? But then there was also times where his flashes were so good. You're like, oh, this guy's going to be legit. And so, yeah, I think that Chris Adamora, it, it's not too surprising. I mean, it's, it's a huge you know, compliment coming from a senior, um, st- you know, somebody in the secondary too. And Chris Brown pointing him out, but I definitely think that that's definitely going to be a player that people need to keep an eye on because he surpassed Anthony Cook. And I know Anthony Cook kind of took some time away, but, you know, Anthony Cook was a former top tier, you know, um, recruit. He's a year older than Chris Adamora. And so the fact that Adamora has already surpassed him, I think is uh, speaking volumes for what his ceiling could be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always like hearing what the, what the players have to say. Mm-hmm. about each other and and, and just so, Osai chimed in as well yeah Osai yeah. he chimed in as well and he said uh his young players to watch Bijan Robinson mm-hmm. the running back five-star running back and and then on defense AC Alfred Collins yeah he's like this dude is a big strong dude for for a guy that young and he said, I can't wait to watch this guy play. I'm, I'm excited about Alfred Collins. Tim Crowder, of course, member of the 2005 Texas National Championship team, worked with Collins when he was at, in, in Bastrop in high school. And Collins comes in at 6'5", 305, and he is using his hands like a veteran from yeah. what everyone's saying. So he's, he's playing the three technique with Taquan Graham and Taylor, they're going to rotate these guys like crazy. And that's going to give Texas a huge advantage because if they can maintain a high level, a championship level of play with their first and their second team, because think about it, your first team is, is Osai Mm -hmm. and Keandre Coburn and Taquan Graham and Moro Jomo. Okay. Osai is probably going to play the whole game because the guy's relentless and he's he's got a motor that is unparalleled. But if you take Taquan Graham out, you bring in Alfred Collins, you take out Keandre Coburn, you bring in Tavondre Sweat, who's already on NFL radars. You take out Moro Ajomo and you bring in Jacoby Jones or Vernon Broughton. Boom. Yeah. That's that's strong medicine right there. When you can rotate guys like that, keep them fresh and and get pressure with four. That's what I'm watching this weekend. That's one of my biggest things this weekend is can Texas get pressure with four or are they having to bring an extra defender, bring a blitz to get the pressure? If they're having a blitz, I'm that's a huge red flag for me in this whole Texas wins the big 12 this year. They have to be able to get pressure with four in my mind. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's spot on. And you know, I think that the defensive line, if it does perform up to the caliber that it should be, that's how you erase the questions at linebacker. A hundred percent. That's what you didn't see very often last year. That's how you erase DeMarvia Novershawn if he will actually finish a football season without an injury or a or Delia Day away or Juwan Mitchell, whoever it may be. You know, I think that the front Texas has struggled a little bit, not struggled. I shouldn't say that. That's not the right word because they've done a pretty good job of recruiting defensive line talent. It's just been really young. And so now these guys have experience under their belt. If a guy like Alfred Collins 
has stepped up to be, you know, second on the depth chart. That's a huge, I mean, it doesn't surprise me based off of everything we heard and, and you know, saw from him as a recruit, what he uh, was able to do. I mean, he, by 24-7 standard, he finishes a composite four-star defensive lineman, but in 24-7's rankings, which I personally view more so than composite because I, I know our guys go out to games. I know they see these players constantly in person where I've worked for other networks where they don't send very many people to games. So they rely heavily on highlight films. And so I, I take into account a lot the 24-7 ratings. They had him as a five-star. And so it's not surprising to me really that Joseph Osai is saying that Bijan Robinson and Alfred Collins are the guys to watch who have stood out when they're both been rated five stars by 24-7. That's a great point right there, Taylor Estes. I mean, you're, you're all over it today. I'm on Our it. Our recruiting yeah. analysts are the best. Our are. rankings are the best. Mm-hmm. And hopefully everybody took advantage of the 50% off annual subscription at 10-year anniversary uh, promo that we had going on in the month of August because, woo, that was a that was a deal, steal of a deal. We yeah, like well, to say hundreds, more than one hundred, hundreds, uh, hundreds did uh, take advantage of that. So we're excited that they have joined our community there over at Horns Horns twenty four seven. And thank goodness they did because they got all the inside scoop on fall camp. Exactly. They got the depth chart well before it was released, Chip, because of you. So there you go. (laughs) There we go. Teamwork makes the dream work, baby. Teamwork for sure. All right. Well, Chip, before we get to everybody's favorite segment, Love It or Leave It, we're going to take a very short break, but you definitely want to stick around as we continue our preview for Texas season opener against UTEP, including what we expect to see from the Longhorns against the Miners come this weekend. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, we got a little uh, carrot for you. All right. We're, we have like 490 reviews over at iTunes. Okay. The flagship podcast, me and Taylor Estes right here, bringing it to you every week. We, we bring the thunder. So get over there. Help us get to 500. We're trying to, trying to get to 500. You help us. We're going to blow you up on the flagship podcast. Talk about you, how great you are. If you talk about how great we are. How's that deal? <laughs> so get us over 500. Come on. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Hey, we've been here for you. We've been we've been manifesting college football. We've not wavered. We didn't get all pouty pants and talk about, oh no, they shouldn't play. We were like, play. Yes. We're gonna coexist with this crazy COVID nineteen. We're gonna play some football. So anyway, that was a long winded way of saying, hey, 
we sure could use your help over there at the uh, iTunes with the five-star rating and review. We need 10 reviews, 10 more reviews to get to 500. So there you go. Shameless yeah. plug. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the flagship podcast. Love it or leave it. All right, Chip. Well, so I'm going to present some uh, some questions or statements to you. If you agree with it, you're going to love it. If you disagree with it, you're going to leave it. So you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So first of all, we're going to start with, according to William Hill betting odds, Texas is a 43-point favorite over UTEP for the week one game. Love it or leave it, Texas will cover. Okay, this, this just feels like too much because mm -hmm. openers are sloppy. I mean, UTEP is terrible. Like, they're 3-22 and 22 under Dana Dimmel in, in his three years. They just played one game. They, beat, they had to come from behind to beat Stephen F. Austin, for crying out loud. Um, so I think this is going to be a bludgeoning, but I don't know if it's a 43-point bludgeoning. Okay. So you're going to leave know. it? I'm going to leave this, but I'm, I'm kind of reaching for the Tums as I say that. I mean, I could see this being like a, a 45 to nothing type of game, but I'm going to leave this. I'm going to tap the brakes, go slow. I see it like 38 nothing. Okay. Okay. That's, that's pretty fair. I, I think I'll, I'll love it. I'll go against you a little bit. I'll love it. Um, you know, as you'd mentioned, UTEP, they are 1-0 and to start the year. So they have at least something on tape to really work from, from the week one game that they won against Stephen Alpha Austin, 24-14, uh, I believe the final score was. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, UTEP went 1-11 and last year. So I think that it's probably, it's probably a fair uh, spread at this point. Maybe people are giving Texas a little bit too much of the benefit of the doubt, but I'll, I'll, I'll love it. And I will say that Texas will cover the 43 point spread right now. Okay. All right. And, and UTEP remember UTEP had Aaron Jones back in the Charlie strong era when uh, UTEP came in and got blown out by Texas. And they, they actually do have a little bit of skill talent. Um, hardest in their quarterback and, um, cowing their receiver number six is good and 33 the running back yeah he posts like 100 uh, had, yards or something i think yeah he had he had 117 yards rushing a couple touchdowns against Stephen f austin um but their defense is susceptible to those quick screens uh that Stephen f austin scored well they went down the field scored on one touchdown uh, on that quick screen and then converted a third and 10 that set up another touchdown. So, you know, I'm sure that Mike Yersich is all over that. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. All right, Chip. Well, love it or leave it. Roshan Johnson, who's listed at number two on the depth chart for the UTEP game, will lead Texas in rushing in the opener. I'm going to love this. This is my guy, Rojo. I love this guy's attitude. He's like, all right. If you tell me I have a chance to contribute, I'll give you everything I've got. And he's done that. Had a great camp. I say that Rojo leads Texas in rushing in this game against UTEP. Nothing against Keontae Ingram, and I hope Keontae Ingram, who's battled some hamstring and shoulder, is ready to go and 
is just going to have the best year of his Texas career. And, and Bijan Robinson, I think they, there's carries for all three of them. But I think Rojo's the guy. Okay. And Tom Herman did say that. He did say, like, earlier that it doesn't necessarily matter who runs out with the first-team offense at running back because all three of the, the guys are actually going to get carries and substantial playing time. Um, but I'm going to love this, too. I think, you know, it doesn't surprise me too much that Bijan Robinson is ahead if he's healthy going into this game, because part of the reason in fall camp, he was battling, you know, that the injury bug a little bit like he was last season. It gave Roshan Johnson an opportunity, I think more so to prove himself since he did stay healthy for the most part throughout fall camp. But I do think that Roshan Johnson has shown everybody who has seen him play time and again, don't count him out. You know, I mean, if he gets the ball, he's going to make plays. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to love that one. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Chip. So the final love it or leave it is playing in front of a nearly empty stadium is going to impact the Texas players. Love it or leave it. You know, it shouldn't impact them. And I think probably once the game gets going, but I can't help but think when they run out of the tunnel and see empty seats everywhere, it's going to be weird. So for the veterans, I think it will affect them a little bit. Maybe they get off to a little bit of a sluggish start. Now, if they come out and just ball, like, you know, like dance should. like no one's watching, like they should. Yeah. <laughs> um, then that's a good sign. That's a good sign. But something tells me that maybe they get off to a little bit of a sluggish start without any, or well, without 75% of the fans in the stadium. What do you think? You know, I'm going to say I'm going to give Texas the benefit of the doubt. And so I'm going to I'm going to leave this one. And I'm only doing so because I'm giving Texas the benefit of the doubt. My my stance on this is stadium crowd should not impact your performance if it's not because it's so loud that you can't hear anything. You know, like back in the day when Texas played Texas A&M, when the uh, A&M was in the Big 12, I had friends when I was in college that were on those teams with Colt McCoy, you know, like the the solid, solid Texas teams. The 08, 09 teams. Yes, exactly. And I had a lot of players that played, or friends that played defense, and they said that the hardest environment to play in was always Texas A&M at Kyle Field because they couldn't hear anything. So even in the defensive huddle, they would have to assign what they were trying to say to each other because of how loud the stadium is in Kyle Field. I can understand why that would impact the game. If a team is truly elite, and they can't get up for a game after all of the the concerns about the season even playing or not, if they're worried about their only being 25% capacity, then this is not an elite team. So I'm going to give Tom Herman and the Longhorns the benefit of the doubt and say they're truly elite. They're not going to allow a minimal stadium capacity impact them. And if they do, then I'm going to have some serious questions about the true mentality of this team moving forward. I like it. Taylor S. is bringing the thunder today. Okay, I'm going to turn the tables on you, Taylor. Okay. I know that you are a kid from Southern California. You are all about Disney. Okay. Uh, Mulan cost $30 on the Disney Channel. Did you buy it, love it, or leave it? No, leave it. I did not buy it. Um, 
I got to be yeah. honest, I never saw Mulan, the original, like the animated version. Oh, wow. Yeah. What and happened I, there? I don't know. Like, I, I mean, it was a little bit older. You know, I was a little bit older when some of those Disney movies came out. I don't even remember when Mulan came out. Um, Probably like oh four oh five. Yeah, so I would have been like high school age. So I know my son used to dance to it when he was a kid. Okay, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't really like get into it at that point. Um, I haven't been too, too big on the Disney, uh, the animated turn to actually like live people. Um, yeah, like Beauty and the Beast and stuff. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Beauty and the Beast, and I love Beauty and the Beast, the animated one. I did like Aladdin, but some of my friends, actually, it's funny, as I was uh, around some friends this past weekend, and I heard so many people talk about how trash the Aladdin was, and I was like, what? And they're like, oh, it was so corny. I'm like, yeah, it's a Disney movie. Of course it's going to be corny. I mean, it's no different than the original. Well, I... Yeah, I was I was interested in that because they haven't been putting out movies, and so then they finally did put one out, and they're charging thirty dollars for it. I just didn't know if anyone was going to pay that. I mean, it's still cheaper than if you'd have gone to the movies with like a family. Yeah, the concessions would have been thirty dollars. Right. Well, what, what about you? Are you paying for it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. There you have it, kids. Let's. Uh, Let's leave it there for this week's episode of the Flagship Podcast. We'll be back next week to talk about UTEP as, as, and start previewing the Big 12 schedule. And, uh, I mean, again, knock wood, God willing. But, folks, it's game week. So enjoy. Get pumped up. Get your, uh, get your tailgate mindset on. And we'll be back with you next week. Thanks so much. Uh, For Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Thanks for listening. Everybody stay safe and keep the faith. We'll talk to you next week on the Flagship Podcast. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.